few weeks ago that I had the opportunity of going to Steinmetz um, High School recently to talk about Christianity. They were doing a world religions section, and for about 50 minutes, I was able to tell the students about Jesus and what the Christian faith is all about, which was pretty dope, pretty amazing. And then we had a question and answer time. And one of the students in the very first class of the three that I was in, they said to me, they said, how do you pray? How do you pray? And I said, well, prayer is just talking to God. So I said, would you guys mind if I prayed for you all right now? And they're like, sure. So I went ahead and prayed with the students. Simple prayer, just talking with God. And after I said amen, I said, that wasn't, that wasn't too complicated, huh? They were kind of looking like, that, that seems pretty simple. And I was able to pray for the other classes as well, just taking advantage of their questions here. And so look, prayer is simply conversation with God. But we have to understand something. We say it as often that prayer is powerful, not simply because of prayer in itself. Every, every world religion prays. But prayer is powerful because the God to whom we pray is powerful. See, our God is capable, he is able, he is all-powerful. Therefore, when we cry out to him, we are summoning, we are crying out, we're asking the God of the universe, the all-powerful God, to move and act according to his will. We're asking him to cause our hearts to be submitted to him, to, to conform us to his will. That's what prayer does. And so what we've been doing, we're looking at a life of a man in the Bible named Elijah who was known to be a prayer warrior. And in this prayer life, we see different themes and different threads. Among them, though, is the, the question in prayer is, can I trust God? You ever ask that question? If you're a Marvel uh, movie fan, which I'm not, uh, but I do watch some of them, I saw Infinity War not long ago. And it, they have these different superheroes, if you're unfamiliar with it. Among them is a guy named Doctor Strange. He's quite strange. He has these great powers, and among his powers is he can see into the future. And there's a scene in the movie when everything is going horrible, and they think they're about to lose. This guy named Thanos is getting more and more powerful, and they find Doctor Strange sitting in some meditation position, his head just kind of spinning back and forth. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And they ask him, Strange, what are you doing? And he, he, he kind of snaps out of it, fatigued, and he says, I saw into the future all the different possibilities and outcomes of this battle we're in. And they said to him, well, how many did you see? He says, I saw 14,605 possible outcomes. And then Iron Man asks him, and how many of those do we win? And he says, one. Odds are pretty much against them, huh? You see, when we look at our lives, we look at our scenarios, and we're saying, can I trust God when there are seemingly 14,604,000 different ways that things can go wrong in my life? You've been there with me? And so you're asking, God, is this going to work out? So what ends up happening a lot of times when our faith in God begins to waver or we don't really know him intimately, we don't know him truly, we, we don't understand what he wants to do, we begin to take matters into our own hands. And those different scenarios start unfolding and going wrong. But one thing we know from the next movie is that Dr. Strange also understood something. That in that one scenario... Someone had to die in order for other people to live. I don't think you guys are hearing with me right now. You see, when we look at our lives and all that could go wrong and the evils in our world and, be honest, evils in our hearts, 
there is yet a scenario where God wins. And it came through death of his son. And let me tell you that this Iron Man doesn't stay dead, but raises from the grave, conquering sin, death, and Satan. He's a God that you can trust. He is a God that you can trust. But this question of whether or not we can trust God, whether or not we can trust him with everything, is not just a hypothetical situation. We know what it's like like when life feels like it's not worth living. We've perhaps been there when we don't know how we're going to make it past tomorrow. When we're home alone and lonely, and we're just wondering, God, can I trust you now? When you're well aware of the poor choices in your life and the outcomes that come from it, can I trust God even still is the question. Today I want you to know something. That if you've got Jesus, you've got all that you need. Today we're going to take a look at a life of a woman who's in the place that many of us find ourselves at. She's given up on life. She's ready to die out of despair, literally. She felt alone. She felt abandoned. And she did not know where hope would come from. Maybe that's you today. What God does is he uses someone to go to her, and he blesses this person, and by blessing this person, he blesses this woman. Because God wants us to understand that his provisions in our life are not meant to just stop with us, but for then us to show other people the God that gave them to us. So if you can, would you open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm going to jump in this text, I'm going to land a plane real quick, but I want you to see what God can do for anybody, because he can also do it for you. 1 Kings chapter 17, there are chairs there in the Bible. If you're visiting with us and you don't own a Bible, please, please, the one in the chair in front of you home. We'd love for you to have that. God speaks still in our day, and he does so through his word. That's why it's called the word of God. And so would you meet me in 1 Kings chapter 17, if you're able, would you please stand with me as we read the opening verses of this passage, starting in verse 8. Um, If you don't know how to get to 1 Kings chapter 17, there is a table of contents in the beginning of every Bible. And uh, there's no shame in going there and saying, let me find 1 Kings. You will find it's in the Old Testament. um, And it's also on page what, family, in our pew chair Bibles? 299. Thank you. I'm going to be reading verses 8 through 16 to get started. And we'll go through verse 24 eventually. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's to Elijah the prophet, He said, Arise and go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me also a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first... Make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. 
And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. It says God's word. Let's pray right quick. Father, I do pray that you would speak through me, that you would give us the ability to hear what you want to say and the eyes to see. Father, I pray that you would uh, just show yourself in power to all of us, no matter where we're at, whether we're far from you today, whether we're struggling in our walk with you, or whether we're excited and happy, Lord you would speak to our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, family. To give you some context here, this man named Elijah, he's a prophet of God, and through his work, a prophet is someone who shares what God has revealed to them. Sometimes things that are happening in the distant future, but a lot of times it's things that are happening in the present. And in Elijah's case, God spoke through him to tell the people in the nation of Israel that God was going to bring a drought in the land that was going to last three and a half years. There were no Walmarts back then. There were no Jules or Marianos. They could not get food except from the land itself. So a drought meant the dying of crops. The dying of crops meant the dying of their animals, their cattle. And the dying of their cattle meant the dying of the people. Three and a half years of drought would do that to you. God brought the drought in the land because the king named Ahab had forsaken God. He had turned to worship other idols. He had married a woman named Jezebel, who was also an idol worshiper. She introduced her idol called Baal into the land of Israel, and slowly it began to snowball, and God's people forsook him. And God's like, hey, I'm a good God, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to discipline you to help you see that you brought this destruction upon yourself so that you will then turn back to me and experience my provisions. So God brings this drought in the land. It's pretty bad. Elijah himself is affected by it. But God uses ravens, literal birds, to bring him food, and he drinks from a water source. That water source dries up. The ravens stop bringing food, and God's like, you need to go now to a city called Zarephath. It's crazy. The word Zarephath means refining. And God's like, hey, I'm going to bring you to this place where I'm about to refine your faith, Elijah. And there's someone else there whose faith I got to refine. The other thing about this place called Zarephath, it says it's in a land called Sidon, which means it's not in Israel. It's actually in a country where this foreign god Baal is worshipped. And ironically, God's like, I want you to go there. And there I have someone prepared to provide for you, a widow. So Elijah obeys God. He goes to this place called Zarephath, and he finds this widow, but he finds something else about this widow that he probably didn't expect. She was poor. She was very poor. In fact, she's so poor, as you saw me read here, that she's out in the field picking up sticks to take them back home to cook her final meal because she ain't got no more food left. It's just whatever flour is left, whatever oil is left, she's about to bake some bread, just enough for her and her son, and she tells Elijah, I'm going to make some food. That's our last supper. And then we're just going to slowly starve to death. 
Elijah didn't know that that's what God was sending him into, and I'm sure he was kind of like, this does not seem like the lady who's going to provide for me. But Elijah is a man of God, and he goes there to Zarephath. And both he and this woman are confronted with the question, can I trust God with everything? Can I trust God when all the potential scenarios in my life seem like they're going in the wrong direction? Can I trust God in the midst of this? You see, what's true of this woman is true of many of us. Because look at the details of her life. It's just her and her son right now. Perhaps she was lonely. She's a single mom. Her husband had died. We don't know how. We don't know why. But we know she's a single mom there providing for her son. And we find out later he's but a child. She's a woman who's struggling with life. And she's actually stated there in verse 12 that she's going to eat, prepare this meal, eat it, that we may die. She has given up on life. Maybe she's just a realist. There ain't nothing here left for me and my son. She's stuck at this crossroad. But we see here also that God brings Elijah to give her a test of her faith. The kind of test God does for all of us when it comes down to it is basically asking, will you trust me? Look what God says through Elijah in verse 13. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Go make this meal. But first... Make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. Now this to me sounds like a a pretty sketchy thing for this woman. I've only got a little bit of food left. All right, cool. Make some for me and just trust that God will give you the rest. You and I would be like, uh, no. I'm going to make some for me and my leftovers you can have maybe, right? So she's now confronted with a challenge. But notice all the challenges are already confronting her. She lives inside him. The God of Elijah is not her God. In fact, she says, she says this to him in, in, verse, in verse 12. She said, as the Lord, who? Look what it says there in verse 12. As the Lord, your God lives. This is all I've got. She's not saying, this is my God. She's saying, Elijah, according to your God, I want you to know we ain't got food here. But Elijah's basically telling her, will you trust my God? And so she's looking at this, and this is now a situation where she's like, will I trust in the God that I serve in my land, Baal, or the God of Elijah? This is the way the scenario happens. And we said it last week, and we say it every week. We are always confronted with two choices, to serve God or to reject him. You don't get a little him and a little that. It's all or nothing. And this woman is here now at a crossroad where she's saying, can I trust God? With her loneliness, with her food provisions, for the safety and security of her son, can she trust God? Basically what Elijah goes on to tell her, if you do this, you won't run out of flour. You won't run out of oil until rain comes on the land. But I also love what God does here because it says here in verse 15, she went and did as Elijah said. She made a choice to follow Elijah's God as opposed to her own God. She made a choice to trust this complete stranger, believing that God would provide for her. 
she begins to trust God with everything quite literally. And it says that God gives her flour and oil. It doesn't say that God gave her steak for delivery every day. God didn't give her wild, fresh-caught salmon or choice fruit from the fields. What did God give her? Her daily bread. Her daily bread. God's like, I'm going to give you what you need. It may not be what you want, but I'm going to give you what you need. And I want you to see through this provision that I care for you. See, a lot of times we struggle trusting God with everything because we're not trusting God for what we need, but we're asking God for what we want. And what we want may not always align with what we need. And God's like, I'm not giving what you want. And we're like, look, God's not providing for me. And God's like, I've provided all that you needed, but you've lived outside your means, and now you're upset with me for not meeting you there. Live within the means that I've provided for you. Watch how I care for you. And some of us here need to understand, it's not just with our food, but it's also with our relationships, it's with our careers, it's with our life. Saying, God, just just give me enough for today. That's why Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. I'm not worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow, Jesus says, I've got enough worries for itself. Some of you guys are like, don't even remind me about Monday. I'm not. Just think about today, right now. God will provide today. And then when tomorrow comes, tomorrow is the new today. And he will provide for that today, and the next today, and the next. She has trusted God. So the question, can I trust God with everything I need? She's learning, I can trust God to provide for me. That's radical. But as one person said, with great blessing, it is often followed with great testing. Here, this woman makes this great, bold proclamation. I'm going to trust God with my provisions here. And she does that. But look at verse 17. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, he became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. Verse 18, we find out that he died. So now this woman is here having trusted God for herself and for her son. And now she's saying, God, and now this? And isn't that the way life often feels? Just when you're trying to grow in your faith, you're like, now this, God? What God is so kind about is even in this, he's holding her hand. Notice what she says in verse 18. This is, a, this is a test of her young and growing faith. And she sees this and she sees her son. And like many of us would do, she despairs in the moment. And she says to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You've come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause his death of my son? She's like, did you come to this house? to eventually show me my, my, my past sins and now this is consequence of it? See, the woman in her despair is, is just not sure what to do. She blames Elijah, essentially blaming Elijah's God. And then she starts wondering, is this happening because of me? My past failures? Is this punishment? Her faith is being tested. Can she trust God with everything when it's good and when it's bad? One thing that she doesn't understand is God doesn't operate in those ways. Ezekiel 18.20 tells us that the soul who sins shall die. Ezekiel 18.20. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father to suffer for the iniquity of the son. 
the scripture tells us. Basically, what God is saying is like, look, when it comes to punishment and discipline, like, like for those who rebel, they are the ones who face me. I'm not, I'm not going to take it out on your family. There is a thing of generational sin where examples are shown and followed, and those things can be broken with God's power and strength. But he wants this woman to know, look, this didn't happen to your son because of you. This is God in, in his own providence working something out that right at the moment she couldn't understand. But what she's about to understand is God's basically saying, can you trust me even still, no matter what comes your way? Elijah in verse 19 tells her to give him her son. And then in verse 20, in verse, he takes him to a private room. And in verse 20, he says, Elijah cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God. Have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? And then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. Elijah cries out a prayer of dependence on God. It says he cried it aloud. He he cries out, he prays a prayer of surrender. He stretched out himself over, over the child. It's a prayer of faith saying, God, would you give life again? See, it's all coming down to, can I trust God even now? What does God do here in verse 22? It says that the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Such a powerful, powerful image. Can I trust God for new life? And what this woman finds here is that she receives her son back. We need to understand something about resurrections in the Bible. This is the first of ten that are recorded. Resurrections in the Bible always serve a greater purpose than just that moment. But they want to teach a lesson that God has the power to raise the dead. But the lesson is not simply the dead in this life, but the greater reality that God has the power to raise the dead to eternal life. Because this life isn't all that it's about, family. Every one of the people who are resurrected in the Bible, except for one, dies again. Because it wasn't about keeping them alive forever on this earth, but it was about keeping them alive again to show that God can raise the dead. It's about the power of resurrection. Now, I mentioned every resurrection in the Bible that person ended up dying again except for one. And I find it so beautiful how God works this out because that other one was also a son whose mother grieved at his death. And that son was named Jesus. Jesus himself would die. And his mother Mary would watch as her son would go on a cross for your and my sin. And this Jesus would be brought to a grave and he would raise from the dead not just to keep alive now, but to show us that God can raise the dead for eternity, family. Jesus is the one who does that. And this woman says, have you brought my sin to remembrance? Is this, is this the result of my sin? In her case, the answer was no. But in Jesus' case, the answer was yes. It was your sin and my sin that brought him to the cross. He paid the punishment that we deserve that God would pour out on us. But Jesus stepped in our place as our substitute. So that as we are one with him, we also will die but raise to life for eternity. This is what God does. That's what we're going to hear in a moment 
through these baptism stories. But I love how the end of this passage goes in verse 24. The woman says, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Basically, she says this, I understand that your God is a truthful God. And as a truthful God, he's a trustworthy God. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but you need to understand something. You can trust God with everything. To provide for your needs, but most importantly, to provide for your eternal needs. He can bring you salvation and forgiveness so all the guilt and shame you carry, you don't have to pay for. Jesus has done it. He can take your life and give you a new purpose that you never saw coming. I don't know if you guys know, but our neighborhood is world famous. Because here in our neighborhood, there is something that is nowhere else in the world. In our neighborhood, in Montclair, is the world's largest red wagon. You didn't know that, did you? Put out by Radio Flyer. The four tires of this wagon are eight feet tall each. The wagon itself is 27 feet long by 13 feet wide, 15,000 pounds. That's pretty wild. You may not know something about Radio Flyer. It was founded here in our area and, uh, in the early 1900s. And they began to grow as an organization making these little red wagons for kids. The technology got more and more advanced over the years. But in the 1940s, something happened globally that people are talking about happening again these days. There was a world war. And the United States gave a signal to all, all uh, iron and steel companies, all manufacturing companies, saying that you have to halt production and begin to make something different now to help support the war. So from 1942 to 1945, radio flyers stopped making red wagons. But they began to make uh, metal water canisters. They were on the back of Humvees throughout the World War. I want you to hear something here. It's like the U.S. government said this. You became famous radio flyer for making red wagons. This is what you're known for. This is what you've been doing your whole life. But right now, I'm giving you different instructions. I'm going to give you a new purpose. And this new purpose is bigger than a red wagon because this new purpose will actually save lives in the middle of a war. You see, what God wants us to understand, like Radio Flyer had to understand, is no matter how long you've been doing what you're doing apart from God, God's looking at you saying, I've got different purposes for you that go far greater than anything you've ever been doing. You might have built up a reputation of all kinds of horrible things. You, you can have all different things that you're known for. People on the block, people from school, things in your past. But you need to know something about God. God's like, I don't care about that. I want you to start producing something new today. And when he brings salvation in our lives through faith in Jesus, we're new people. We're new people. Yes, we enter into a battle into a world war for our soul, but greater is he that is in us than he who is in this world, family. See, the widow and Elijah understood that they can trust God with everything because God has the power to provide and God has the power to give new life. And it's the very thing 
that the five people today getting baptized understand. The people that are about to come up here are people who have died to their old self and now experience a new life through the resurrection of their souls. They're different people. I'm going to invite up the five of those who are getting baptized. Come on up right now. As they're coming on up, you guys come on on stage, come on. There's a couple of things I want you to understand about them. None of them are perfect yet. One day they will be raised to new life in glory where there will be no more sin in heaven. They come up here not as people who've got it all together, but they come up here as people who understand who does have it all together. And just like the people in our story today, they've come to understand I can trust God with everything. Um, the, many of us leaders in the church have had the great opportunity to hear their stories in greater detail than what you're about to hear today. So that all that's about to say, just go take them out for coffee or dinner and hear their whole story. You guys won't turn that down, right? No, won't turn down the food? <laughs> They're going to share some things that God has done in their lives, powerful things. And there's going to be some of you here today, when you hear some of their stories, you're going to say, man, that sounds like me. That sounds like some things I've gone through or I am going through. The same Jesus who has brought them salvation and new life and forgiveness of their sins and a relationship with God is the same Jesus who could do it for you. Maybe you're here today and you've strayed away from God. You were raised in the church and today you're here to support someone. I want you to know that there's some here like that as well. And God has brought them and given them a new life. So without further ado, I'm have our brother Andy, have Uriah, Josiana, Anna, and Cordarius is on his way up here in a moment. And as you hear from them, I want you to give them their, your undivided attention. And just thank God for what he's doing and what he has done in their lives. Brother Andy, would you lead us off here? Good morning, Brooke family. God bless you all. Well, my story uh, goes as following. Uh, I uh, was raised in the uh, Catholic be uh, beginnings, you know, but um, as, uh, as I'm growing up, I distanced myself from the Lord. You know, I had a lot of doubts in me, and um, I just, in the end, I just said, well, let me just live for me. Let me do the things that make me happy. So being young, uh, I took upon, number one, money, having money for all the wrong reasons to drink, to party, to come home the next day, you know, and just live that style of life and uh, become accepted in that type of atmosphere and crowd. You know, I had the sports cars of the, of the moment just so that I could fit more in to the style of life I was living. I had, like I said, just the money to throw it all away and just party had women you know um, that in all was just emptiness for every time I would sober up or the next day when I would uh, be okay with everything it just felt empty so after that uh, I'm not in a good 
place. I'm getting tired of just living life that way. Said there has to be something more. So I, uh, after numerous times, a coworker about my, my father's age, uh, Jesus Negron, he was a respected gentleman at work. A lot of, a lot of people would talk really good about him and uh, me. And I used to uh, see him coming to me. He'd be like, oh, God, here he comes now. <laughs> and uh, Jesus uh, reached out to me numerous times. Numerous times where he would say, Andy, um, why don't you come to church with me? And I would always say the same thing. Yeah, I'll give you a call in the weekend and, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll go. But I would trade it coming home the next day, just party. But there was a moment where uh, all that didn't mean absolutely nothing. And I got up that Sunday uh, morning, and I give uh, Jesus a call. And I uh, ask him, Jesus, at what time is the service uh, going to be conducted? And he says, in an hour I'm going to leave to the church, would you like me to wait for you? I had already uh, knew, yeah, my answer was going to be yes this time. And I uh, go up to the church with him, and um, as, a, as a brother, he's there guiding me through every step. And the uh, pastor reaches a moment uh, in the service where uh, he says, is there anyone here who is ready to accept God in their life and Jesus our Lord as our Savior. To me, it was another done deal for, uh, for the first time in my life. Uh, days before that, I had already began to uh, accept God in my life. I had already picked up my mom's Bible, and I had already began to read and became, became more drawn to it. So once that came about, it was a done deal. I said, yes, I'm ready. So, so, church family, after that, um, I uh, joined the Army shortly after that. So, I'm in, I'm in training, you know, and there's a lot of situation, environments, tests, things that you have to go through to become a, a soldier, to, to uh, give service to our country. Very tough. But in every single step while I was there, I was in direct communication with God every moment. And I got through it. <clears throat> Family, uh, God put me in the best shape of my life at that moment, uh, 2013, when I first gave my, uh, my life to God. And joining the Army in 2014. So, then comes November 13, 2015. Uh, that specific date, I uh, go back to uh, old habits that I had uh, abandoned to some extent. And I drink that day. And I drink like there is no tomorrow. And... It almost wasn't no more of an opportunity to see tomorrow for 
I end up slamming into a traffic light pole. And I'm in coma for a month with broken femurs, broken tibia, broken ankle, bleeding through my lungs, internal bleeding, broken jaw. And I wake up a month after that, and I don't know what had happened. So during all that time, I have my family there with me, and I'm just at a loss for it. Really tough times. Especially uh, being a Puerto Rican around that time, I couldn't eat pateles, arroz con gandule, none of that. <laughs> so, but however, God made it very special for I had my mom prepare me, but she knew uh, what she knew that I didn't like and that I was tired of, but she would blend up the food and come with a straw to my room to feed me every single day. And I had the gift of my old sister come to me every night and pray with me, Psalms 91. I had my father tell me the story of when I was in coma, every single moment that the doctors would approach him and say, he's not going to make it. You need to prepare yourself and your family. And my father telling me, I didn't listen because I knew I prayed to God and I knew God doesn't fail and you are going to be alive. So um, I dropped from 209 to 137 pounds in that time. Uh, I was fed through a straw for three months. And in all that, I had my little sister trim me my, my toenails, my fingernails, because she said I was beautiful. <laughs> so that happened, and um, I just began uh, getting more in tune to God. And I said to myself, after being told by numerous doctors I was not going to be able to walk again, I said to myself, if, if Jesus went through the cross and resurrected, I know he's with me and I will walk again. So, so on my second uh, physical therapy, once again, uh, the Lord... All praise to him. He shocks everyone close to me because I come out walking on my second therapy. So in all of this, I say I had heard someone, I don't recall who it was, say, oh, God doesn't exist anymore. There's no miracle. So what's, what's the point of believing like all these other church people? And I say I'm... I'm honored and privileged that through an accident like the one I had, God put the world on notice that he still exists and he made a miracle for I'm walking today and I survived all that.
So church family, I, uh, I just thank God every single day and in this moment that I share this with all of you and let you know that yes, God exists and will continue to exist and work miracles. So God bless you all. My name is Uriah. I was born in a Christian home and was always taught the gospel, that Jesus had died on the cross for me and resurrected three days later. Although I understood the gospel, my mother explained to me that I was a sinner and still needed to invite Jesus into my heart. At the age of seven years old, my mother prayed with me the prayer of salvation, and I became a Christian. I've been a Christian ever since then, although I would always see to, re see to recommit myself. With God's help, I'm constantly striving to better myself and to follow him. Today, I'm getting baptized because God calls us to do so, and I want to honor him. This is the next step in my personal faith and a public display of that. Amen. Hey, good morning, bro. Wow, y'all are so beautiful. Uh, it's way different up here. Uh, good morning, y'all. My name is uh, Cordarius Norton. You may know me all as Corey. Caden, it's good to see you. Uh, I'm just going to tell you guys a little bit about myself, how uh, I got back in the church. So um, I was born and raised here, um, growing up in a Baptist home. But uh, I, essentially, my story, I was a backslider. So I joined the Marines at the age of 18, served for four years. When I wasn't training, I was sinning. When I wasn't sinning, I was training. Um, I got so disconnected away from God. And honestly, I was ashamed to, like, step foot in the church, go around family, this and that. Um, upon being honorably discharged, I was fortunate. Fortunate. I was blessed by the Lord to get a get a job uh, with People's Gas. I met this great man right here, J.J. Lewis Pacheco, his family, brother Andy up here, and uh, I've worked there for two years now. But uh, last year, my life changed dramatically. I uh, I started coming to this church um, around March, and this wasn't because I wanted to. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, my boss, JJ, he, uh, he, uh, he, <laughs> he recruited me. He was very slick about it. He, he was very slick about it. But, uh, no, I was going through a toxic uh, relationship, um, and that had just got, uh, um, I had just exited that, that uh, relationship, and I was going through a time where, I was just living in lust, sinning, you know, uh, I'm uh, in my early 20s, so I'm getting advice from uh, sinful counsel. Hey, you should live it up. You're, you're young. You should be doing this, doing that. You should sleep with that person, sleep with that person. And, uh, you know, just really feel like I wasn't going anywhere. It was, it was very much vain and, like, uh, honestly, I still feel empty. I couldn't find any peace doing that, going out drinking, um, sleeping, um, with someone I don't know, it was like, it's just emptiness, vanity. But in, uh, you know, in this worldly world that we live in, to other people who may not walk with God, it seems like it's the best thing to do. So, um, 
Yeah, so um, my boss, he told me about this church multiple times. And like Andy, I was just giving reasons like, uh, you know, next Sunday I ain't feeling it. Or, you know, the devil attacks you. Like, he'll give you every reason not to come to church. And, uh, you know, I, I had this mindset that I would go to church once I got right on my own. But, you know, that's foolish because obviously <laughs> obviously my own understanding wasn't, wasn't uh, getting me through. So I'm blessed that... Uh, the Lord, he poured into my life. I was able to, I asked God, actually, if he could just show me an example of a beautiful church, a godly church, a godly family. And ever since I stepped foot in this church, I've seen nothing but that. So I want to thank God. I want to thank God for that. Um, so, yeah, um, I've always believed that, uh, that the Lord uh, died for my sins and he overcame the world. But I really didn't truly know what that meant. But uh, until uh, my grandfather, God bless his soul, he told me one day, he's like, he's like, um, that to me, what he got from it, what he told me was that it means that you may not always walk with God, but God has always walked with you. So that's through sin, through your sinning, through your pain, through all of that. It may not be the perfect life. You may ask God like I did, like, why am I going through this? If I believe in you, why, why is this happening? Why is my mom sick? Why is my, why is my family so destructive. And, you know, I just read the other day, uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, not going to quote it because I'm not trying to, you know, but uh, it says something along the lines of uh, take heart um, for you shall have tribulation, but be at peace because the Lord has overcome the world. So I figure, I figure if the Lord can overcome death, there's nothing else he can overcome. So I'm just blessed. I'm blessed for that. God, he's working Wonderful wonders in my life. I never thought that I would, like, not be at the club on a Friday night and doing real communities. Um, <laughs> yeah. Lord has blessed me tremendously because I was just like, I, God has, like, answered every prayer I've asked for. I've asked him to show me, surround me with counsel of uh, his people, and I've gotten that. He's removed people that, you know, have very sinful or not um, close to him out of my life, and I'm grateful for it. So can't wait to get in that water and to just echo it out to the world. So, yeah. so I just want to thank you, Brooke family, for having me, and I just want to praise God for all that he's done for me through every, every step, every time that I doubted him. I'm, I'm so sorry for it. Every time that I disbelieve, I, I apologize to the Lord gracefully from the bottom of my heart, but I just know that, uh, you know, it's great to know that, because for the longest time, to kind of go back in the story, I was arrogant to believe that, you know, I was fortunate to have this career to, you know, this and that by my own works, but I've recently learned that, you know, it's goodness, grace, and mercy, not to boast at all, so um, it's not because, you know, our credentials, our degrees, our experience, anything, it's really God's goodness, grace, and mercy, so thank you, thank you all. Hello, Brooke family. My name is Anna. Uh, just bear with me. I am very, very nervous. Um, yeah, I have my cards here, but I think I can do my testimony without these cards. Um, my life uh, was more or less the same. I was raised in a Catholic church. 
And yet we went to church on Sundays. To me, it was just going to church. They didn't really know what was God, the love of God to, to bear it inside. Um, as time passed by, uh, I grew up in a dark place. Um, my household, there was a, a lot of alcohol involved. So me as a teenager, I was allowed to drink anytime I wanted. Um, to make the story short, I kept on, I got happy, I became an alcoholic. Today, I am sober for a year. <laughs> the way I got to the brook, I suffer from sciatic nerve. And I went to go get a procedure done. And there was a gentleman sitting down at the clinic. And he was reading a book. And it was Life After Death. And I was like, whoa. Um, I was curious. I asked him. That was the pastor's father. <laughs> By the way. The procedure didn't work. My pen kept on. I left. I came back for a second. I did not save that information that man gave me. This time, I went in front, and it was the pastor's mom. <laughs> this time, I saved the information. That next Sunday, I was at the brook. I've been here for a year. I'm still nervous. My legs are shaking, so... But I still remember um, the pastor on January 23rd was preaching about Maria Magdalena. And she came and she anointed oils and did God's feet with her hair. That day, I looked at the priest, the pastor, and I was like, and he forgave her. If she can be forgiven, so can I. I brought it up to the pastor. Thank you, by the way. Um, that the 23rd, I brought it back up to him after service, and I told him about it, and he was like, this is your birthday. This is your Christian birthday. You accept God into your life. Guys, that's it. I, I can't talk anymore. Amen. church for over five years. Honestly, I didn't understand why I was always praying or worshiping. Not until I was in first grade. I joined a choir at my old church. I found it fun and all, but at the beginning and end of class, we would always pray. I'm sorry. I knew something was missing. Since I wasn't understanding 
why we were doing this. One day at choir, my teacher asked me to pray. I was nervous and I didn't want to do it, but I didn't want to embarrass myself, so I did. <laughs> Sorry. During my prayer, something hit me. Like, this feels good. I could actually talk to God. This was... Sorry. This was the moment I started my relationship with Jesus and knew that my praying and singing was for him. Now let me talk about my faith. (laughs) Bad things happened this year. I was so heartbroken that we lost the baby. The faith in Jesus made me know that my baby brother or sister was in heaven and that Jesus is there. I know that this is all real because God sent his son on earth to die on the cross for our sins. And I know he rose from the dead. I want to get baptized so that I can learn more about him and to make sure I am doing enough for him. I also want to get baptized because he would be happy. And that would always be my goal, to make Jesus so proud in everything I do. I mean, come on. Let's give God some praise here, family. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, we're just, uh, we're so proud of the five of you. Um, I know it's God at work in your life. We know this. We know it takes a lot to stand up here in front of people and he's, Expose your life and say, this is what God has done. Um, But as we share with you guys, I know your words today meant something to the people here. Amen to that family? Yeah. And I'm just grateful for all of you. What's clear is in all of this, God gets all the glory. None of you did this by your own strength. You can't can't earn your salvation, but God did it. He's done it for you, and he's going to keep working in you. I want to pray for you all. Um, worship team, I invite you guys up on the stage and get ready here as I, as I pray. And um, would you guys, just as a, as a show of, of affirmation, would you extend a hand just saying, I want to affirm this, I want to affirm them? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for my brothers here, Lord. I praise you for Andy. I thank you for Uriah, for Anna, for Cordarius, and for Josiana. These. these Sisters and brothers, Lord, means so much to us. God, you've done the impossible. You've taken a dead person and made him live. God, I think of the words that one person once said, that moral teachers seek to make bad people good, but the gospel makes dead people live. And so, Lord, we thank you for the new life they have in Jesus. And as they enter these waters of baptism, I pray that they would declare it and that all who are present would hear it loud and clear that the old them is gone. And the news come. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys can go to the side. Huh? One, one thing before we uh, begin our baptisms, 
Baptism is a symbol, all right? This is important. It's a symbol of an inward faith that has already happened. It's an outward display of inward faith. When they enter into the water, it symbolizes their burial to their old self. The old them is dead. And we have never kept anyone under the water here at the brook. Because those who are baptized have been raised to new life in Christ Jesus. This is why we look to Jesus as our Savior, because he is the first to conquer death. And because of his victory over sin, death, and Satan, we can be victorious over death. And so, family, what you're going to see is us um, baptizing people here. We'll have a live stream here on the screen. We're going to be singing praises during the baptisms. We've got songs in line. And family, I want to hear this room resound with the praises of people who believe that our God raises people from the dead. So would you stand to your feet and join us in worship? Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus.